Thanks, worship team, and thank you, everybody, for worshiping with us. What a powerful time in God's presence today. Amen? Amen. He's so good. He shows up right where you need, when you need him. He chases us down. He pursues us. God's desire to have a relationship with you is huge. And as we continue this series reset, today we're going to talk about prayer. Amen. It's like breathing. Prayer is as vital to your walk with Christ as anything else. It's like breath in your physical body. And I would dare say that you and I, we cannot survive in our relationship with Jesus without a healthy prayer life. If you look in scripture, every person throughout scripture that made a difference for God had a prayer life, talked to God on a regular basis. And so as we dive into prayer this morning, talking about prayer this morning, I want us to understand it's not a ritual, it's a relationship, it's not a have to, it's a get to, it's not a means to the end, it's an everyday journey, right? God is not a genie in the bottle, in your bottle, right? He's not a cosmic bellhop. Prayer is not just an activity or something that we recite or something that we do, it's a lifestyle. You see, God is a God of relationship, he wants to be both your Lord, he wants to be your father, he wants to be your best friend. He's all of it. And so we're going to jump in today. Uh, first of all, I just want to, I, I think my head, was, my head was still not quite with me last week and, and um, I missed it to thank uh, my dad and, and Mark um, who filled in for me while I was gone. And so I just want to thank them so much. Aren't you thankful for good people, uh, good uh, teachers of God's word? And uh, so thankful for them um, in my absence uh, there over the Christmas break. But last week, we asked an incredibly important question. Where am I? Right? Where am I? The first question ever recorded in the Bible when God walks into the garden after Adam and Eve had sinned. And he said, where are you? And so we asked ourselves that question, where are you? And, and so one of the answers that we're going to talk about in this series to that question is um, that if I'm not in prayer, that's a place I need to be, right? So where am I? I need to be in prayer. And so ask yourself, where are you when it comes to your prayer life? Just like God is bigger than your perception, right? Prayer is bigger than our current perception. I really believe that how you can connect to God will be continually developing and evolving throughout your entire life and you will never reach the depths of who God is in prayer, which is an amazing thing that you can expect something new every single day, that you can experience God's presence in a new and powerful way every single day. Prayer is something that deserves a lifetime of pursuit and practice. There's no neat and tidy bow to put on prayer. If you get my drift, there's no perfect prayer. There's no perfect set of words. It's not a formula. It's a posture of your heart saying, God, I want to talk to you today. God, I want to be close to you today. God, I've got this burning desire like Kelly talked about to know you today. Jesus made it clear that religious ritual is not what he desired in Matthew 15, 8, he said this. He said, this people honor me with their lips, but their hearts are far from me. Man, I never want Jesus to say that about me. 
And I pray that, that, you know, people that attend Mosaic Church and call this their church home and want to get close to Jesus, that it would be your heartbeat too, that I never want Jesus to say about me that I honored him with my lips, on, with the stuff on the outside, but that my heart was far from him. In Luke 6, 46, he says, so why do you keep calling me Lord, Lord, when you don't do what I say? Let's stop right there. Throughout the centuries, People have gone to church and recited prayers, right? And they think that because I say this prayer, you know, man, I'm doing what I got to do. But Jesus gives this incredible analogy here that you could say the right things with your mouth or you could do the right things on the outside, but if we don't do what he says, there's a disconnect, Let's continue. Jesus says, I will show you what it's like when someone comes to me, listens to my teaching, and then follows it. It's like a person building a house who digs deep. Underline that if you've got uh, your Bible. Digs deep and lays the foundation on solid rock. When the flood water, waters rise and break against that house, it stands firm because it's well, well built. But anyone who hears and doesn't obey is like a person who builds a house right on the ground without a foundation. When the floods sweep down against that house, it will collapse under a heap of ruins. Have this picture in your mind. When it comes to your prayer life, are you digging deep? Are you digging deep? Are you not just listening to God? Are you doing what he says? Are you going to that place of communion with him on a daily basis where you need to be because if you don't it's as if you're building your life on shifting sands and when the storms of life come it's going to knock your house down you see prayer is not just about saying certain words or even just the habit of it did you know it's possible to even be in the habit of prayer but your prayer life be powerless we're we got to get to this place where we're living out a real relationship with Jesus when we pray. I love what Dr. Curtis Hudson said. He said, there is more that you can do after you pray, but there is nothing that you can do until you pray. Man, that's good. When you pray, God's going to give you stuff to do. You're going to have more to do after you pray because God's going to awaken your heart and, and, and fill it with passion for what he's passionate about. But man, we can't do anything in life until we pray. And so Jesus paints this picture of your whole life. It's like a house you're building on a foundation. Why? Because prayer and pursuing a relationship with Jesus is about your whole life. It's, just not, it's not just a religious thing you do. It's both listening and doing. It's seeking and finding. It's being and doing. It's all of it. And if your prayer life isn't connected to the rest of your life, then there's a problem. It's not a prayer life as Jesus intended. You've heard me say some over the past few weeks that what you think about Jesus is the most important thing about you. Amen? What you think about Jesus is the most important thing about you. And your prayer life is the same thing. What you think about your prayer life and, and what kind of intentionality you give it is incredibly important and it's gonna shape your life. And what you think about your prayer life and how you view Jesus and your relationship with him really shapes your prayers. And so today, if you wanna grab your notes and follow along, you can fill in the blanks. So today, when we pray, we need to remember these four things, okay? And remember, this is about the posture of your heart because if your posture is right, 
And if you're open towards God, I really believe that he'll take care of the rest. And so if your posture is right and you're seeking God, this is what Jesus called, man, we're going to worship you in spirit and in truth. That has to do with the posture of your heart. So number one, when you pray, you got to remember that number one, God's presence is my privilege. God's presence is my privilege. Listen, when you count something a privilege, your whole demeanor changes, right? You know, when you go to a really nice restaurant, you count it a privilege. I get to go out tonight. I get to go out and be served. I get to go out to a place that is way nicer than I normally get to go. And so what do you do? You dress up a little bit. You put on your nice clothes. You take a shower. You comb your hair. You put a little product in your hair, right? Back in the day when I was growing up, remember those ginormous bottles of hair gel? And they were like bright blue or bright green. And you, you're, you're putting the stuff in. You're getting all ready to go. Ladies, remember the Aquanet? And you're spraying it all over the place. There's a film in the bathroom because you're getting ready to go. You see, when you count something as a privilege, it changes everything. Right? Think about the Packer fans. How many of you love Packer fans? Not many people down here. We got one in the back. Jolie's a Packer fan. Have you ever seen uh, their home stadium, Lambeau Field? And they're out there in the freezing cold. I've lived in Wisconsin, and Lambeau's even further north than I lived. I lived in Minneapolis, and for a lot of times, and I used to walk to work downtown Minneapolis when it was five below zero. And these crazy Packer fans are going out into Lambeau Field and sitting there for hours with their cheese heads on. Why? Because when you count it a privilege to be somewhere, it changes everything you think. And you're like, I'm willing to endure the cold. I'm willing to endure the pain. Why? Because it's a privilege to be there. Listen, God's presence is your privilege. Why? Because Jesus died to give you that privilege. Jesus died to give you access to his presence. Just like that song we sang today, the veil was torn in two. When Jesus breathed his last breath, meaning that you and I have access to the presence of God. Have you ever told one of your kids, somebody paid for that, so treat it right? Right? Anybody? Man, just the other day, my, my daughter, I said, hey, keep your hands off the walls. <laughs> I paid for that paint, and I put that paint on the wall. Get your dirty hands off of it. Why? Because somebody paid for that. And when it comes to your prayer life, don't ever take it for granted. Why? Because... Somebody paid for that. Hebrews 10, 16 through 23 says, and so dear brothers and sisters, we can boldly enter into heaven's most holy place because of the blood of Jesus. By his death, Jesus opened a new and life-giving way through the curtain into the most holy place. Listen, church. When we devalue the presence of God with our lack of prioritization in our life, we devalue the cross. And if you're anything like me, you don't ever want to do that. I don't ever want to do that. And yet at times in my life, I find myself getting lax in my prayer life. And so my perspective and my posture is so important because I have to remember that, man, when I don't make it a priority and when I don't count it as a privilege to come into the presence of God every day, I'm not only saying, God, that your relationship with me is not that important. I'm also devaluing 
the very cross of Christ that gave me that privilege. Access. The psalmist put it in so many great pictures. He said, I come into your courts with thanksgiving, right? In Psalm 84.10, it says, a single day is better in your courts than a thousand anywhere else. I would rather be a gatekeeper in the house of God than live the good life in the homes of the wicked. The psalmist knew how much of a privilege it was to be in God's presence. Listen, friendship takes time. And when you value the friendship, you invest time, you invest energy. Every time you enjoy the presence of God through prayer, you're telling him he's enough. He's enough. He's worth it. Luke 5.16 tells us that Jesus often withdrew to the wilderness for prayer. He was constantly getting up early or staying up all night just to be in the presence of God. Listen, church, if Jesus regularly spent time with the Father, we need to even more. Because newsflash, you and I, we ain't Jesus, right? We're not Jesus. And so what's our response in prayer since we count God's presence to be a privilege? Adoration, praise, worship, even on your own. Man, we had amazing worship time today. God's presence is, is, is here in this room. And man, it's so cool when we get together with God's family and lift up the name of Jesus. But did you know that you can even experience God's presence like that in your bedroom, at home, sitting at your kitchen table in the morning with your Bible and your cup of coffee and your devotions, and God's presence can just be right there with you in that moment, and you can worship God. How about, what's another response? Time. Just time. Give God time in his presence. Another way is to prepare for being in God's presence. You know, maybe going to bed earlier on Saturday night, that's an incredibly practical way to count God's presence a privilege. When you say, I got to get up and go to church in the morning, so I'm going to get really good rest tonight so that I'm ready to get in the presence of God with God's family. What else do we need to remember when when we approach our prayer life? Number two, God's provision is my source. I love this. God's provision is my source. Listen, if we're relying on God's provision to be our source, then we're going to pray first when it comes to our needs. We're not going to swipe our credit card first. We're going to pray first, right? We're going to give God a chance to meet our need. We're going to discipline ourselves to say, instead of just, uh, you know, swiping it or charging it or taking out that loan or whatever, we're going we're gonna to just wait. We're going to make good choices, trusting God to be our source. So listen, I need his provision for my needs. I need his provision for the mission that he's given me. I need his provision of strength in my life just so I can make it through each day. I need his supernatural power because I don't know about you, but what God has called me to is bigger than than my talents are, are good enough for. Man, his provision is my source. Just like a good father, like we sing about today, loves to give good gifts to his kids. Man, God wants to be your source. Hebrews 4, 14 through 16 says this, So then we have a great high priest who has entered heaven, Jesus, the Son of God. Let us hold firmly to what we believe. 
The high priest of our, this high priest of ours understands our weaknesses, for he faced all the same testings we did, yet he did not sin. So let us come boldly to the throne of our gracious God. There will we receive his mercy and we will find grace to help us when we need it most. I love that. And so what does Jesus say when you're weak, when you're in need, when you've got something going on in life, what does he say to do? He didn't say run to the bank. He didn't say freak out and tell your friends on Facebook. He didn't say call your BFF and, and, and whine about it all night. No, he said come boldly, boldly into God's presence, right? You're going to receive mercy. You're going to find grace to help you when you need it most. Why? Because God's provision is my source. Let me just give you a few points, though, about timing. Because a lot of time, uh, we want something and we want it now. But God's timing isn't the same as our timing. And so when you bring your requests to God, you need to remember these few things real quick. Number one, if the request is wrong, God will say no. And we have to be okay with God saying no sometimes, right? Because just like a really good dad, he's going to say no sometimes. Number two, if the timing is wrong, God will say, slow down, right? He's going to say, slow it up. And he's going to flesh that out in your life in his timing and not yours or mine. And then if our request is just, is, is wrong, God might also say, grow, right? He might say, you need to grow up. You need to grow in this area. And so when we come to God to be the provision of our, in our source in life, we need to be ready for any of those answers. Especially when we feel like, man, our prayers might be hitting the ceiling or, or we're not getting the yes that we want. Because sometimes God does show up and there's a big old huge yes and man, it's a miracle, right? Isn't it amazing when God just shows up and provides and, and sometimes you weren't even asking for it and God just does a miracle. God is a miracle working, providing God, he's Jehovah Jireh. But sometimes we've just got to slow down and really listen. What's God saying? So what's our response in prayer if God's our source? One, Jesus says to keep asking. Just keep asking. Even even if you might be asking for the wrong thing, keep asking because you know what? When you spend time in God's presence, he's going to lead you and guide you where you need to go. What about this? How many prayers go unanswered simply because they were never asked for. So just keep asking for things. They say, God, what aligns with your heart? And then ask for it and keep asking. Pray bold prayers. Have bold faith. Big prayers. Why? Because we serve a big God. So don't ever be afraid to ask. Number three, when we pray, we have to remember that God's spirit rewires my passions. When you pray, God's spirit will rewire your passions if you let him. Galatians 5.24 says, those who belong to Christ Jesus have nailed the passions and desires of their sinful nature to his cross and crucified him there. Right? I love this because this puts the ball in your court. Guess who gets to nail those passions to the cross? You do. I do. Those who belong to Christ Jesus have nailed the passions and desires of their sinful nature to his cross and crucified them there. What does that mean? I lay down the desires and passions in my life that are not pleasing to God. I lay them down at his feet and I say, God, here I am. Rewire my passions. Let my passions be in alignment with you. Purify my heart. 
purify my heart, O oh God. Recently, you know, we, we bought a house and it was kind of an older house. And, and uh, how many of you know when you move, uh, you turn on the faucet, you fill up your cup, you take a drink of water, it just tastes different, right? It's like, man, we and Jolie, we, we lived out in the country and we were used to well water, right? And so we got used to that and we moved here and it just tastes different. And so we're like, hey, let's throw in one of those, those RO systems, have you ever heard of that? The reverse osmosis. And so we got all hooked up and we poured that first glass of water and we're like, man, this thing tastes amazing. But here's the deal about that purification process. Guess when it happens? Constantly. Every time you open up that spigot, it's being purified on the spot. And guess what? Your life and my life is just like that too. That the more we pray, the, God, the more God purifies. And the more we pray, the more our passions get, get to be like his. And as long as I turn on that spigot every day, man, God's gonna continue to purify you and work in you and make your heart look more like his. But it only happens when you use it. It only happens when you use it. You gotta be a part of the process. I gotta keep that RO system hooked up in my house if I want it to work. Man, we battle the flesh, don't we? Self-control, issues of just, man, submitting our life to Christ. And the key to self-control, listen, isn't to just not do certain things. You know what happens if you try really, really hard not to do something? It's all you think about. And so what's the solution? You do life on purpose. Instead of trying not to do something, you fill your life with all the right stuff to do so that there's no margin of time or error to do the wrong things, right? So I'm going to think about the fruit of the Spirit. I'm going to focus on the fruit, right? We're going to do a series on the the fruit of the Spirit someday. But just for now, we'll think, man, I'm just going to start living out those fruits in my life, and it's going to push everything else out. You see, when you get close to Jesus in your prayer time and God rewires your passions, your taste changes, right? Your taste changes. Over the break while I was gone, I lost my smell and taste, right? And how, how, much, how, how many of you know the, co- the taste of my coffee completely changed, right? It didn't taste right. It was off. When I got close to that virus, my taste changed. When you get close to Jesus, your taste is gonna change, but not like it does with COVID, your taste is going to change for the better. You're going to be able to develop a taste for the right things in life. You're going to be able to develop a taste for the things that please him. You're going to go from junk food to natural, healthy, biblical food. The things that used to just feel like a drag are going to become life-giving to you because of the presence of God in your life. You think about that rich young ruler that came to Jesus and he had done everything he was supposed to do, but Jesus said, hey, just one thing, sell everything you have and give it to the poor. What happened? He walked away sad because he couldn't give up that one thing. Are you willing to want Jesus more than anything? More than anything? Because when you are, he's gonna purify your motives. He's gonna purify your desires. And together with his help, you're going to crucify your sinful nature and say, God, I want, to, I want my heart to beat for the things that your heart beats for. James 5.15, this is huge. It says, confess your sins to each other, pray for each other so that you may be healed. 
The earnest prayer of a righteous person has great power and produces wonderful results. Listen, when you pray, God, purify me, he's gonna heal you. It's a promise from his word. And so what's our response in prayer when, when, um, when um, what's our response in prayer when God rewires our passions? We confess, we repent, we declare what God loves. We pray scripture and we engage in right behavior, right? Number four, we're gonna close with this today. Man, this one's gonna fire you up. God grants me participation in his purposes when we pray. Man, this is one that sometimes you don't think about, but every time you pray, you're participating in God's purposes. When you say, God, I want your heart to beat in me, then you are participating in the purposes of God. Listen to these verses, and then we'll unpack it a little bit. Romans 8, 26, it says, and the Holy Spirit helps us in our weaknesses. For example, we don't know what God wants us to pray for. Have any, anybody ever been there? Man, I don't know what to pray. I'm out of ideas. I just prayed for two minutes and I, I, I'm, all, I'm all used up, right? Have you ever been there? Well, guess what? When you just say, God, use me and you sit in God's presence and you just allow the spirit to pray through you, the Bible says, but his Holy Spirit prays for us with groanings that can't be expressed in words. Man, what, it, what an incredible privilege that the Holy Spirit is gonna pray through you and you're, when you pray, you're gonna be participating in the purposes of God. 2 Corinthians 5.20 says, we are, so we are Christ's ambassadors. God is making his appeal through us. You're participating. We speak for Christ when we plead, come back to God. When you pray, you're participating in God's purposes. Ephesians 6.12 says, for we're not fighting against flesh and blood enemies, but against evil rulers and authorities of the unseen world, against mighty powers in this dark world, and against evil spirits in the heavenly places. Once again, when you pray, you're participating in God's purposes. As we wrap this up today, think about this. If God is inviting me into his purposes, what does that mean? means I just made the A-team. I just made the A-team. You, know you know what it feels like to make the A-team? When I was in seventh grade, I went out for the basketball team. And I might have shared with you before, I was a little guy. And so coach, you know, brings people in and tells them what happened with the tryouts. And, and with me in particular, guess what? I didn't make the A-team, I made the B-team. And I'm like, well, hey, at least I'm on the team. And I'm just happy to be here right? And so I had a good time playing that year. Well, the next year comes along and man, I was passionate about basketball and I go out for the team my eighth grade year and guess what happens? I didn't even make the B team. I get cut. And you're, it's just that crushing feeling that by the way, I think every kid needs to go through, but you just, you, you, you're dealing with that disappointment. You didn't make the team. And then guess what happens? Ninth grade, go out for basketball, I don't make the team again. Once again, crushing disappointment. And then I go across town to the wrestling team. And guess what? I made that team. I made the team. Why? Because if you stay and put the work in and be a part, you're on the team. God's team is like that. You put the time in. You invest in the relationship. You make the team. And you, every single person in this room, gets to be a part of God's team if you want to. 
It's a free gift. God says, come be a part of my family. Come be on my team. Come make your life purposeful and do something with your life. Come be intentional about living for something bigger than yourself. Don't just come to church on Sundays. Be an intentional part of the kingdom throughout the week. You just made the team. Man, you know what it feels like to make the team? It's an amazing feeling that I have a part to play. I get to be a part of something that matters. And when you say yes to Jesus, you don't just make the team, you make the A team. Because see, there's no levels in God's kingdom. Jesus said that if you wanna be first, be last. Jesus said, if you wanna be somebody that matters, be the lowest, be the servant of all. That means that no matter what you do in this building, no matter what you do outside of this building to serve Jesus, you're on the A-team. You're a part of God's purposes. Man, I love that. I'm in his battle. I'm prepared with his weaponry. I'm prepared with his armor. When I participate in prayer, he clothes me with his righteousness. Man, is anybody else pumped here today about this? This is amazing. He's going to give me direction. He's going to give me discernment. He's going to give me creativity. He's going to give me opportunity. This is good stuff. I'm going to be a part of his story. I'm going to be clothed with his anointing. There's a, there's a kind of prayer that maybe if you haven't um, been around church a lot, maybe you haven't heard this word, but it's called intercession. When you're battling in the heavenlies for Jesus's purposes. And guess what? It just so happens to be what Jesus does for you all day, every day. The Bible says he's at the right hand of the Father, Father interceding on our behalf. And that's why that we're able to be clothed by his righteousness and not our own because our righteousness is like filthy rags. Amen? Man, this is what Jesus does for me. He prays for me. This is what I get to do with Jesus. I get to pray and talk to him. I get to communicate with him and have a relationship with him. In Acts 4.13, Peter and John, they were standing before the council, uh, the Pharisees. They were being interrogated they had been brought in because, man, they were making a difference. They were making waves. They were preaching Jesus, and the Pharisees didn't like it. And so they get brought in, and this is what it says. It says, the members of the council were amazed when they saw the boldness of Peter and John. For they could see that they were ordinary men with no special training in the scriptures. That might as well be you and me. They also recognized them as men who had been with Jesus. So these guys go from ordinary to extraordinary. Why? Because they took the time to be with Jesus. When Jesus said, come follow me, they said, yes. And all of a sudden they find themselves participating in the purposes of God, representing God, being Christ's ambassadors. And other people begin to look at them and be like, oh my goodness, those guys were with Jesus. And I don't mean this, and I don't, I don't want you to feel bad about your prayer life. That's not the point here today. I want to encourage you that when you spend time with Jesus, people are going to begin to look at you and be like, there's something different about you. 
And as they get to know you and as they get to see your life and what pours out of you, they're like, they've been with Jesus. They've been with Jesus. Listen, Peter and John, by the time they get into this council chambers and they're being interrogated, they were convinced that they were on the A-team. They were walking in this confidence. They were walking in purpose. They were walking in anointing. They had the Holy Spirit fire resting on their life. Something was different because they had been with Jesus. You and I have that same opportunity today, church. We have the same opportunity tonight. We have the same opportunity in the morning when we get up. Access to the presence of God. Why? Because God's presence is my privilege. God's provision is my source. God's spirit is gonna rewire my passions. And then God grants me participation in his purposes. Man, these are four incredible reasons to step up your prayer life, to seek Jesus. Now, if you're anything like me, there's been times in your life and maybe you've been in a season uh, like this recently where you took for granted this incredible privilege that you have to pray, that you have to seek the face of God. And so we're gonna take a few minutes and just worship. We're gonna take a few minutes and sing a prayer of repentance. And so if you could bow your heads and close your eyes with me. And I want you to just reflect on the message you just heard, especially on the fact that God's presence is your privilege, that we get to access the presence of God today. And just take a few moments and say, God, let this reality, let this reality that I get to talk to you, that I get to be with you, come alive again in my life. Jesus, we wanna count it a privilege to talk to you, to be with you, just to be in your presence, Lord.